It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 328 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Adam is not here. He's in, um, he's in, in, it's Monday. (laughs) Can't talk. He is in LA for the LA Festival of Books. And so you just have me um, today for the intro. And today is an interview I did back at LA Midwinter with Rachel Housel Hall about her book, They All Fall Down, um, which we talk a little bit about Agatha Christie in our interview because They All Fall Down um, is very similar, not similar, sort of inspired by um, Agatha Christie's and then there were none. So we talk about mystery writing and um, Agatha Christie, of course, and all sorts of fun stuff. So that is today's episode, interview with Rachel Housel Hall. Um, if you have any feedback for us, be sure to visit our website, professionalbooknerds.com. You can get all of our um, links from there. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. We are on Twitter and Instagram at probooknerds. And of course, our Viber community links are on our website as well. Um, it's a really short intro, isn't it? I don't think there's anything else. Is that really it? Okay, well, apparently that's it. That's all I got for you today. So, um, happy Monday, everybody. It's a new week. Let's go out there and get it. And I hope you all enjoy this interview I did with Rachel Housel Hall on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Jill, and with me I have Rachel Housel-Hall, author of A Quiet Storm, Land of Shadows, and Skies of Ash. She has been a featured writer on NPR's Crime in the City and has participated as a mentor in the Association of Writers and Writing Programs, Writer to Writer Program. Rachel's latest book is a standalone suspense called They All Fall Down. Rachel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here. So can you give our listeners a brief introduction to They All Fall Down? Uh, they All Fall Down is an homage to Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. But I wanted to take seven sinners to a Mexican island and kill them off American style. So that's what this is. It's, it's sinners and punishment, but also kind of understanding who they are. And unlike uh, and, then they, and Then There Were None, this story is told through the point of view of one character, Miriam Macy, who is a mom who is very committed to raising her child and has done things uh, in in spirit of in that spirit so whether she deserves to be on the island or not that's up to you Um, I wanted to write not necessarily an unlikable female character but a woman who reflects who we all are especially us as women who have opinions and who share our thoughts whether they're welcomed or not but because we do that, we're labeled unlikable. So while it's a thriller, it's also me saying, 
we just are people we are human and you may not like what we do but we are here it's funny um i'm glad you said that uh, save me a question because i actually have christy question mark because <laughs> i was already and and then there were none as my absolute favorite christy yeah. book of all it's like the entry into christy's I, world yeah and so yeah. i remember i was reading the description for yours and i was like oh i have a guarantee that that is not a coincidence uh-huh yeah yeah <laughs> no i i love that book um especially when i uh understood it in the larger sense and then added on to that uh, I remember seeing Seven the movie Seven mm-hmm. and then Shirley Jackson's The Haunting Hill House and how that story of the locked room mystery type thing and I wanted to do that I just didn't know how to do that I had all the elements in my head a child of the church so I'm used to I'm used to punishment and being punished for you know who you are or what you've done so I wanted to take that on top of, you know, the feminist message of who, I, who am I as a woman and what will I do to protect my family on top of just a good old-fashioned thriller type right. mystery thing. And so this was the perfect story. And it also combined all the stuff I learned in my formal education, being an English-American lit major, you know, Dante's The Inferno and the Bible as literature and all of it. It was just a great mix of everything I've ever learned in this book. So is it safe to assume, though, then that there are seven characters that's related to the seven deadly sins? Yes. Yes, there are. And what was interesting is, you know, I, in, in Miriam's voice, but it was also my question, if I were punished, what would be my sin? And what is that one thing that you struggle with? And I think that's a very human thing of categorizing yourself in that different things. I'm not lustful. Right. And I'm not, you know, a glutton. What am I? So I went through that, and Miriam, she tries to figure out why is she here? Why is she with these obviously bad people? Because they're all bad. I'm not like that. So in that way, it was fun. It was a very reflective thing for me. Do you um, outline, like, you know, when you're working with something like this, I imagine there would have to be some element of knowing what happens? Yes. With all my books, I am an outliner, um, partly because I'm a control freak, but also I still have a day job, and I'm a a mom, so my time is very controlled, and so I need a roadmap in order for me to pick things up and drop it and come back to it. So even if I don't follow the outline, it's still some kind of guidance. I don't feel overwhelmed. But for this especially, yes, I had a a thick notebook of those seven sins on top of other things that in mythology, the boat they go over is called the uh, La Charon, C-H-A-R-O-N. And that is actually the boat used by uh, the, the, oh, River Styx. It goes mm -hmm. over the River Styx. So things like that, all these classical illusions, the colors of the rooms that the sinners sleep in, all related to their sin. Their names all related to their sins. So I like went to the well on this one. I like threw it all in and pulled everything, all my books from English American Lit Studies, it's all in here. So that requires a primer. So yeah, yeah. I, I kept that. I feel like that would have been a fun research process. It was. And sort of lining everything up. Lining everything up. So I hope I did well. Obviously I did well enough for it to be published. So hopefully it's good enough to you know, get people on board <laughs> and see it as this, you know, while it's Christy, 
it's a very American modern story and a very diverse cast of characters. I kill off everybody, you know, from blacks to gays and uh, Latinos. To every everybody is uh, it's a free for all right. because you know ultimately, especially in America, we all. Uh, have issues that we need to work with and there's no upstairs downstairs type of thing like in, yep. in, in Christie where we we kind of we're Americans <laughs> we, we screw up in all kinds of ways and we're equal opportunity jackasses so yeah it's a very American book okay yeah. um, you mentioned that it is a locked room mystery so for those of our listeners who maybe aren't familiar with that term can you describe it a little bit um, I'll do my best okay. so you have characters and they're trapped either in a house or on an island and for this story it's a house on an island and someone has done something and it's it's contained in the the villain is contained somewhere in the house so someone in the house did did it or done it right and the story is trying to figure out who done it right and it's contained so right. even with that I mix that up some. So, once again, doing the American thing, pioneering room mysteries. So, yeah. um, so, what, like, what is it about Christy that she's just so, she just transcends everything? Yes, yeah, What does. do you think it is about her? I think it's her ability, one, here's this woman who is writing these awful, awful stories, and we didn't, as women, didn't get to do those types of things, to think these types of thoughts and uh, destroy worlds and she did it over and over and over again and she also uh, helped people peek into worlds that they didn't understand or were not privy to so that again the upstairs downstairs mm -hmm. people who are downstairs got to read about people in the in the parlor rooms who are doing these awful things to people and I think that uh, she helped make people accessible to each other uh, even if it was a curated type of, you know, uh, uh, literature, uh, people still got to see how the other lived, mm -hmm. and in a very entertaining way. And that's what we do as writers. Right. We get to bring people into worlds that they wouldn't otherwise be a part of. And Agatha Christie, she she does it. She'll be around forever, and there'll be thousands of homages to her. Mm -hmm. And um, one, I must say, one reason why I wanted to do a book uh, paying tribute to her there's I, I like Montblanc pins and there is a Montblanc a limited edition Agatha Christie pin and there's on the, the little stem it's a snake with a ruby eye and I saw that pin maybe 10 years ago and I said I want that pin <laughs> but I wouldn't get it until it became a relevant thing for me and so now that I've done this so husband if you're listening there's that pin. Hint, it's hint. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the time has come. <laughs> um, so when you were growing up, did you read mysteries and thrillers? I did. And I read a little bit of everything. I was a, a book slut. And I read things that I probably shouldn't have read when growing up. My brother, I had an older brother, and he went to prep school. So he brought all his reading home. And I read Johnny Got His Gun when I was like, <laughs> 10 or 11 and that is not a book for a 10 or 11 year old but it was there and I like to read and I had read out of Ramona by that time mm -hmm. because I'm constantly reading and so his education and his books became kind of like my guide to adult books 
And I would go to the library, and especially being a working class kid, we couldn't afford my book budget. You know, I had a book. I, I loved books. Right. I was constantly reading. And so my mom would drop us off at the library back in the 70s. And I read through the stacks and there were librarians there who would look at me and look at the Jackie Collins book in my pile. But then she'd also see the Sidney Sheldon, <laughs> and Stephen King and, you know, the Judy Bloom. And she wouldn't say anything. She'd just stamp them and say, have fun. Yep. And that was 11 years old. I had read all the Sweet Valley Highs. I had read all that and I wanted more. And I, I... Yeah, I was that I was that kid, and I had a copy of. I finally went to, well, one of the Scholastic Book Fairs, which was always held in the yep. library, and I bought my own copy of Wifey by Judy Bloom, and this was seventh grade, and I uh, underlined all the naughty parts, and I see it to this day. I underlined all the naughty parts in my orange Hello Kitty pen, and it was passed around English class, and the English teacher was like, "What are you all reading?" And she took my copy of Wifey and put it in her desk, and I never saw it again. Yeah, that, that, that hurt. And it's probably still sitting there at Audubon Middle School. <laughs> but that's fine because, you know, I went to the library and I, you know, reread it again. I must have read Wifey like three or four times. And yeah, libraries were that place that I went for raucous and inappropriate reading yeah thank god for libraries right <laughs> i know i was just saying with that i was like yeah librarians they're just like all right yeah. you're reading take the books yeah they never told me no i hear stories about how librarians won't let you read this book I'm like i don't know what that is and why wouldn't they yeah they're, and they're they're book hustlers yeah here's this latest issue of fancy <laughs> Why don't you read that one, little girl? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's really, though, the wonderful thing about libraries, because I think it's that place where you can go explore those books you probably shouldn't be reading. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, and fortunately, my mom, there were four kids, and so she was, and she worked, and my father worked two jobs, and so she did a lot of the heavy lifting for kids, so she didn't pay attention to a lot of things that we were doing, and so she wasn't paying attention to what I was reading, and she didn't tell me, no, you can't read that. And that was another thing, I, parents telling kids, no, you can't read it. I have to remember that with my own daughter, when she started really tearing through books, I couldn't censor her. There are some books that's like, Ugh, I don't want you to read that. But then I think about my own childhood, and I, I, even though I write mystery and kill people off, I came out okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know, I trust that she will too. I just love that she can sit on the couch on the weekend she read Twilight in a day. That was the wow. first big book that I've seen her read nonstop. And so I don't want to kill that for her. I want her to discover what she likes, who she loves. I want her to get excited when an author has another book coming out. Because that's who I was. And now here I am doing the same thing. Yeah. And, you know, she looks at me and her English teacher is reading um, one of my books now. And she told Maya, tell your mom I love your book. And I don't know if Maya's horrified by that or excited <laughs> by it, but you know, I think it's a, a pretty cool thing because it does start like in English class and in literature. Those young ladies that are in that class, that's who I was. And someone in there will be sitting at a table like this yeah. at a library conference. Yeah. So.
Yeah. No, I, yeah, getting exposed to that whole realm of yeah. books and finding like what you like and what you don't. Yeah. Although um, for the first of my mystery series, I have a UK publisher and they wanted me to come over and tour. And I picked my daughter up from school and I'm like, oh, we're going to the UK. And her first question was, am I going to get to meet One Direction? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, mommy is going to get to go to Europe more about Harry Styles no you will not get to meet Harry Styles but you will get to see mommy in England so yeah it's <laughs> like kids they always yeah make you feel yeah. human so yeah <laughs> um so speaking of your series this is a uh, they all fall down as a standalone novel yes was that a different experience oh my goodness all of this is a different experience um you're like the first person I'm speaking to <laughs> formally about, about this it's a weird thing because I for the Lou series, there are four books total, and I got to learn who she was and who, uh, what the city was. I wrote about Los Angeles, but I didn't write about it in the context of a character like Lou. But, you know, I, I understood who they were, what was going to happen next, those types of things. And for this, it's like, uh, what was this character's name? And it's a contained world, it's a contained story. This is it. And it's exciting and, and terrifying. I'm excited and terrified. And I, I really like this story because it is finite. It, it does end. I got to spend time with these seven people and their backgrounds. And I want to do it again. I, I, I like this kind of standalone. World. Yeah. 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 They're, the wonderful thing with mysteries and thrillers and suspense, especially for someone who pulls stories from, you know, regular life, there are a lot of stories to write. We do so many awful things to each other that we're going to be in business for a long time. So if I wanted to do another <laughs> version of They All Fall Down, yeah. there are more sinners. There's, there's sinners everywhere. That is true. Mm -hmm. That is true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So at the end of all of our interviews, we have something we call the Nerd Nine, which is like a lightning round. Mm -hmm. Try not to put too much thought. It's very easy. Okay. okay. Last book you finished reading? The Outsider by Stephen King. Favorite place to read? On my couch in the living room. Book that made you fall in love with reading? Oh, I would say Ramona the Brave. Good old Ramona. Yeah. Good old Ramona. I actually still have my copy. Do you really? Yeah. Of my Scholastic Book Fair edition. It's red and tattered and my daughter tried picking it up and reading it. I'm like, you can do it, but it needs to go back in its place. That and Charlotte's Web. Oh, and Charlotte's Web. Oh, I still have that copy too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Uh, one place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Spain. Favorite holiday? I would say Christmas. It's just exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Like someone true. across from our my hotel room last night, they still have their lights up. And while I'm like, oh my God, you still have your lights up? I'm like, oh, you still have your lights up? It's so pretty. Look at the trees. So, also, maybe yeah. it's just too much work to take them down. Yeah. <laughs> it is a lot of work. Putting it all up and yeah, then taking and it down. Oh my God. Uh, coffee or tea? Coffee. Cats or dogs? Cats. Favorite food? Tacos. If you could have dinner with one person dead or alive, who would it be? It would be Stephen King. Stephen King. Yeah. His, 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 I like his depiction of Maine and as a little black kid growing up in Los Angeles, I didn't know anything about Maine and what a Maine was. Mm -hmm. And yet he writes so that I understood, I think. A lot of kids are scared of clowns in sewers with eyes like dimes and that, you know, description of 
uh, Pennywise has stayed with me forever and to this day I don't like stepping over sewers nor do I like peering into sewers because I think of it all the time. Our poor listeners are going to get sick of me saying this but um, when we've had this podcast for over three years and whenever we ask that question or we have authors sort of talk about the books they used to read Stephen King, hands down, gets mentioned more than any other author. It doesn't matter what they write. doesn't matter what age they write for. Stephen King, it's just his storytelling ability is yeah. so good. And yeah. just so many people draw inspiration from yeah. him. No, he's, he's incredible. I hope to meet him one day. Because, yeah, he still, to this day, in, inspires me. And he's probably one of the big books you first finished. Yep. Yeah. So, you, with a Stephen King book, you feel like you're accomplished. Because you made it through... You know the stand in three three days, or right? Something like that. Yeah. And I know for me, it was those books I was probably not supposed to read from the library, but I totally did. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Playing yep. the long game on getting him on the podcast. So far, it hasn't worked, but I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up hope on that one. <laughs> one day we all. One can day. Dream. Um, finally, what would you like readers to take away from "They All Fall Down"? That unlikable and they deserve it is a really relative thing, and that. We're all subject to someone else's judgment, and we all deserve to perish. So I want people to think about that when they're ready to cast someone to the pits of hell. You real- know, light, light thinking. <laughs> no, that's a wonderful answer. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Rachel. Thank you for, I'm so happy to be here and finally talking about this to somebody. <laughs> Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. There is no hood like parenthood. When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.